How many of you would say that you are fans of something? Since it's October, I've heard many people say they are fans of baseball and football, but I'm a fan of the more nerd variety, as we'll get to in a moment. Several people I know are more into books and TV shows and sports, including such mega series as Harry Potter and Doctor Who. But when you start to explore these types of media on the internet, it's inevitable that you end up in some sort of fandom forum. I like to call it the internet's rabbit hole, also known as Tumblr. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to Navigating Authenticity, a podcast that explores what it means to be authentic. My name is Sydney Ward, and this week's episode is about fandoms and their say in what is considered authentic. Before the time of Tumblr, we didn't ever wonder what Disney princesses looked like in real life or what Disney princesses would look like if they were actually male Disney princes instead. We didn't think about Sherlock and Watson sharing an intimate relationship. We didn't even ship characters or wish for them to be in relationships. This is fun for shows or series that have title characters inevitably ending up together. Take Pam and Jim from The Office. However, you get into a weird, scary place of original fanfiction when you try to put characters like Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy together. Seriously, look it up. It might scar you. There are even erotic depictions to give you a full sense. The internet has provided these super fans a two-way channel of communication for fans and creators. For instance, J.J. Abrams knew if the new Star Trek series resonated with Trekkies because the internet allowed him to. More than that, the fans had to say whether or not the films were authentic. Now, of course, Abrams had access to the screenplay and all the necessary rights and copyrights to produce the film, so why did it matter whether fans thought it was authentic or not? A growing number of active or participatory fans are exhibiting a sense of ownership that includes an investment in the creative development of these kinds of franchises. Websites have provided venues for fans to maintain heightened connections to media producers and their evolving franchises through social gossip, artistic production, and political activism. Now, I didn't think that I was one of these people. I enjoy series, but always thought I left the story up to the authors or creators. However, one franchise in particular has started to give me a lot of stress lately, and I've done some research as to why. A long time ago, in a house not that far away, my parents showed me Star Wars. We popped the first VHS into our VCR, and a new hope sprung for me to cease being the Disney princess I believed I was, and immediately became a young Jedi. We'll come back to the deep love I have for Star Wars, but now you'd probably like for me to get to some more research. As many of you know, in the early 2000s we were subjected to what is known as the Star Wars prequels the time before Luke Skywalker and the Rebels fight against the Emperor and Darth Vader. Researcher Alana Sheffrin documented a few of the differences between fan roles in two of my favorite franchises, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. 
Now, both franchises were the highlights of the early 2000s for us nerds. Peter Jackson and George Lucas took two very different approaches to working with fans. Starting with Lord of the Rings, Jackson and his crew were involved in online forums, talking with Tolkien fans about the series and answering questions where they could. They described casting procedures and after the release of the films, continued to break down production decisions for fans. George Lucas, however, mastermind though he is for giving us Star Wars, did not take this kind of approach with his prequels. After backlash for episode 1, The Phantom Menace, Lucas shut down any negative feedback and would not answer fan cries. Criticism over marketing influences and cries for the films to appear more to the fans were largely ignored by the Lucas camp. In addition, any side stories, artwork, and fandom you might see on Tumblr that was contradictory to the prequel storyline was shut down and legal action taken against fans. As you can imagine, fans didn't take the prequel very lightly, and especially George Lucas's treatment of them. One petition read, and I quote word for word, so be prepared. We, the undersigned, in the spirit of our raped childhoods, ask that George Lucas give over his reign as director and writer of episode three to Peter Jackson. In light of recent George Lucas movies, more specifically The Phantom Menace and the soon-to-be-released Attack of the Clones, we beg thee of Star Wars creation to pass all creative rights to Peter Jackson. Jackson, of course, who is known to encourage fan support and interaction. So back to breaking down my feelings. Trekkie hero J.J. Abrams is directing the new Star Wars saga, the franchise that is now owned by Disney. If marketing influenced the first prequel even a little bit, I hate to see what mega media conglomerate Disney will do with my beloved Star Wars. I can't even watch a trailer without getting sick to my stomach. I even got very pissed off that a trailer aired on Monday Night Football. Football is bantha fodder. And all these new toys and snacks and lunchboxes for kids who don't even know how many Rebels and Jedi had to die to give them this sequel. But I digress. I, like so many fans, Sheffer and Research, felt I had a stake in someone else's intellectual property. And perhaps there is some truth in that. A famous authenticity study by Peterson looked at country music and fan support, and generally found that what makes country music, quote, country music, is that fans deem it to be so. They decide if it's worthy of being called authentic. They decide whether or not to purchase it. On the flip side, Marx's theory of production and consumption, summarized by Gripsum, says that the audience can never choose something it has not been offered, and any specific product is always one of several imaginable answers to a more general demand. It is always producers or senders that decide what is offered and how these offers are shaped. And these decisions are always made with a view to other factors than the demand of the audience. Not the least, the desire for maximum profit. So unfortunately for me, I can't pick a Star Wars sequel that has never been offered to me. I may as well be resigned to the fact that there are a group of people out there very hungry for action and sounds and lifeless characters that vaguely resemble the Star Wars I know and love. Beyond that hunger, there are producers and companies that are hungry for profit and willing to cut corners on my beloved childhood heroes. 
Still, I do like to believe that fans have a say in a franchise or product's authenticity. I guess I get to decide December 18th what that verdict is when The Force Awakens. Navigating Authenticity is produced by me, Sydney Ward. You can find links and other salient info on my blog, authenticitypodcast.blogspot.com. Episodes are featured on iTunes Podcasts and Stitcher. Music is provided by the Gold Magnolias and Ryan and Selmy. You can visit them at thegoldmagnolias.com or randselmy.com and find links to music on my blog. Thanks for listening. See you next time.